Hello and welcome to Property Mastermind Podcast, episode 56. Today talking due diligence and we're going to be talking about the physical problems you might encounter on a site. We can't cover everything but we are going to be giving away some great tips that Bob's got so much knowledge in this area. So you're in for a treat with episode 56. Let's jump on in. episode 56 as I said due diligence and we're looking at the physical problems some of the physical problems you may encounter when you're doing your due diligence on a site and again the amazing Bob Anderson is here with me in the uh, podcast studio you always give me such a big rap you're amazing Bob you deserve a big rap sounds like a circus you know when you introduce the line tamer or something (laughs) well there's not many people with the experience that you have that are still alive. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I've never seen anyone like just you know so much so quick, uh, and your ability to you know feed those. Anyway, you're all over it, and you know it. No, uh, yep. Always feeling humble, but anyway, you deserve the kudos. Thank you. But before we get started into episode fifty-six, giving away a book, a copy of the book uh, "Secrets of Property Millionaires Exposed," and we get, we just finished three events. Hey, oh, what a great three events they were. We did Brisbane, then Sydney, then Melbourne. Yep. I think we did Brisbane, and then about three or four weeks later, we did Sydney and Melbourne a week apart. Yeah, yeah. And weren't they great? Big hit. Big Everybody hit. loved it. We yeah. loved it. We had Some big um, names there. We had big names there. So everyone who came got a copy of the book anyway, apart from one or two people. And so one of the people winning the book today will uh, he missed out. We just didn't have enough with us. But we had three of the authors in this book there. Yeah, all there. Celebrities. We had three celebrities. It was they were they were yeah fantastic. It was just a fantastic event. Um, so we will be repeating those. Yep. Look out for those. Listen out for those. Coming Sign to up a for town those. Near you. Yeah, coming to the town near you. We're still sticking with Brisbane, Sydney, and Melbourne, Bob. Good start. Yep. We may expand. Really? Mm-hmm. Never know. Oh, you never know with you, you do you? Know. You're full yeah. of surprises. Well, I like getting around and talking to people, and catching up. And I think that's what people like about any event that we do is we hang out with people afterwards and go yeah. for dinner yeah, and have drinks and yeah. have just have really chat with everyone. Yeah, and networking is longer than the actual events. <laughs> yeah, it is a bit like that. But they, it is fun and people really appreciate it and we love it too. Like there's nothing better than talking to people that are into the same thing as you. No, no, it's great. Yeah. 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 Well, Very successful three events. They were. And... I think we should repeat them, and we will. We talked about joint ventures, so we covered joint ventures, and we had some finance um, accountants and just very specialised property accountants, so two different ones, and they were fantastic. And then we had a buyer's agent, the amazing Joe Vigello. Yes, she was there. And, yeah, just it was great, and a few other tricks and treats up our sleeve. So Mm. come to the next Mm. one and find out what it's all about. Yep. But anyway. Yes. Let's talk about... The physical problems that you might encounter. So a due diligence topic. What sort of physical problems yeah. might you encounter? Yeah, so you're right. It's a due diligence uh, discussion, shall we say. Not so much the town planning aspects around due diligence, you know, zoning and size and all those sorts of things, but physical things. Well, 
a common one would be trees. You know, trees, I love trees. Mm. People think developers don't like trees. I mean, like chopping them down and building buildings. That's not the case at all. But they can be a deal killer in some circumstances. Mm. You know, trees. Years ago, uh, they weren't such a big deal with councils. But, of course, you know, councils got more environmentally conscious and as a result, they are an issue or they can be. And some councils consider them uh, more of an issue than others. But, yeah, um, they're, they're definitely a physical thing. Trees, of course, it goes without saying. But the size of the tree, the species of the tree, that can have quite a bearing on your outcome. You could have a tree in the middle of a lot and it could kill it for development potential, mm. say for townhouses, if it's a decent tree. And you know, there's some councils, perhaps you can chop the tree down and others you can't even touch it. Isn't it crazy? Like yeah. what, why the councils are so different? And is that basically, Bob, because of their, their um, like, I'm going to say the word greenies, but because they've got more people well, it's there. more green than others. Yeah, more green. Is that basically what it's about? Yeah, yeah, it can be. And, uh, you know, I had, a, I had a tree issue once. Uh, it was in Toowoomba. People that know Toowoomba, it's about an hour and a half out of Brisbane. Did a four-pack up there with a mate of mine. And there were street trees right along the street. Uh, and they were equally spaced. And we only had one place where we could put our driveway. And it was right where there was a tree. And I knew that. And so I spoke to council earlier and they said, oh, look, you know, there, there's ways around it. And, uh, and there was eventually. Uh, ex expensive, it cost me about $5,000 to remove the tree. The crazy thing was that that particular tree, and they had them all over the place mm -hmm. all in, in so many streets, was called a golden rain tree. I don't know the botanical name, but in every council in Australia, they're considered a pest. Oh my goodness. Because they shoot, like the roots shoot. You know, and but, but they wouldn't declare it a pest in their council because they would have to remove them all. Oh, and and they had streets and suburbs full of these golden rain trees, and so they weren't a pest there. But every other council, so, some councils actually pay you money to get rid of them. Oh, what a nightmare! Yeah, yeah, so I got there, I paid money to get rid of it. Oh. Weird thing. Yeah, instead of them paying me to get rid of it. You probably paid enough money to get rid of that one tree that they could have got, gotten rid of quite a few. <laughs> probably, Probably yeah. could have. I remember learning uh, about trees when I first started learning about development that I was unaware of the whole... You, it's about how close they are to the boundary as well yeah. because if, you, if you've got a tree that's close to a boundary or, or if you're buying a property that there's a tree on the other side of the boundary, that impacts you. I, I remember the first time I uh, realised that, I was like, holy heck. Yeah. People just don't know stuff no. like that. Particularly if you're going to build close to the boundary on your lot, mm. uh, it's how it affects the roots. And look, I'm no horticulturist by any means, but I mean, some trees have a deep tap root that goes straight down. Others have, you know, surface roots. Mm. And, and so if you dig up those roots, even though they're on your side of the land, that, that could adversely affect the tree. Mm. And so you have to get an arborist report and they'll classify the tree. They'll tell you what sort of root system it is. They'll tell you, you know, how close you could build to your own boundary because of a neighbour's tree. Okay. Yeah, there's a bit in it. So, Bob, that's a, a really good point that you bring up, getting an arborist report. What does an arborist basically, roughly, rule, some rule cost, and how do you come about finding one? You know what the, the perfect arborist is? What? 
the least green arborist you can find. Right. Because sometimes you can get a favourable report, like you might need to remove a tree and an arborist can do a report that suggests that it does need removal. It could have, no, and genuinely sometimes it might have, you know, a disease or, or it can be trimmed back. Sometimes, you know, you can get rid of a problem with the tree, not necessarily by removing the whole tree, but at least trimming the branches back. And they might say, look, you know, you could trim them back, let's say 30%. And that might really make a difference to your project. And, and so you need an arborist report. Uh, sometimes they can classify it and say, look, this is not a protected species uh, in this particular council, so it's fine to remove it. So yeah, arborists can be your friend. They can probably be not your friend. And it's funny, you know, they, they all go to uni, they all study the same, or whatever they study. <laughs> and Tree cutting down stuff. Yeah, and tree doctoring and tree everything. But um, some, some are greener than others. Right. Yeah. yeah. So how do you find it? Least to green arborist. <laughs> Less green arborist. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Ask ask some other developers. Ask town planners. Town planners will know. Mm. Uh, they might have their favourite arborist that they know isn't too hard on them. And uh, yeah, it's probably one way of finding out. But yeah, look, there you go. Trees. All sorts of issues. Different with every council. So the next one we've got on our list to discuss is sewer pipes. So due diligence around sewer pipes, the interesting thing with sewer pipes, again, different councils, different rules. Absolutely, and that's so often the case. Mm. You know, when you go around the country, I, I forget that it's something like, oh, five or 600 councils in the whole of Australia. I, I was working with a client today and Bob jumped on with him and I remember you selling him. I, I, you, had a, you were a bit more exact, weren't you? Oh, I think it was like 35 councils in, in Sydney or something. Yeah, but I mean, there's plenty of councils around the country. And, and they have differing opinions on, on things like sewer pipes. So, I mean, as our due diligence, one of the early things we do is to do a dial before you dig search, just to locate where the sewer pipes are, where the stormwater pipes are, you know, the water reticulation and other services. But... Some councils allow you to build over top of a sewer and some don't. So it could be a deal killer. If you have a, a sewer main, let's say, running through your site, let's say a third of the way from the boundary, uh, and, and you, you're looking at a four townhouse site, that might knock your front two townhouses out. Mm. You might end up with a two townhouse site. So, so you don't want to pay for a four townhouse site and end up only putting two townhouses on it. In fact, you wouldn't be able to. What are your thoughts on building up? over a sewer? Like, you know, oh. having done an, an, as many developments as you, as you have, what are your thoughts on building over sewers? I'm quite sewers? happy to do it if I'm allowed and I need to, put it that way. But, but different rules... <laughs> Sounds like a real developer statement there, yeah. Different rules apply to that. Uh, some councils, particularly if it's an old sewer pipe, hmm. uh, some of the old clay ones, you know, that are in sort of like metre-long sections... You may have to, in some, some councils might make you lift the pipe up and put a whole new pipe in. Some might ask you to do what they call concrete encasing, where you encase the whole pipe. Uh, some councils, if, if the pipe is not too old, uh, it's a continuous pipe, uh, you can simply build over it. But, uh, so you have to get a permit, it's often called a build over sewer permit or whatever that makes sense civil engineer that, that makes that. absolute sense to yeah. build build over a sewer you have to get a build over sewer permit yeah yeah <laughs> yeah that's pretty cool yeah and uh it, there's a little bit you have to do on the construction side so if you're building like a house or a townhouse over top uh, you have to drop uh piers down each side of the pipe to actually support the slab 
and they they go deeper than the pipe and adds a little yeah it adds a bit to the cost not not a lot um, but yeah I mean I've uh, I've had deals well, I've had to kill deals because I can't build over a sewer pipe uh, and the same goes with some Storm other water. pipes stormwater stormwater you just mentioned yeah it, it can be the same situation uh, can you build over a stormwater pipe or not well some councils you can and some you can't so how does somebody find out about like whether that that's really just finding out what the council bylaws mm. are the councils and, will tell you yeah yeah, yeah you, you but are. I think what we're, we're pointing out is that you need to be aware that you need to find out mm. before you jump in and buy I, something absolutely and the, the engineering department at the council will tell you whether you can or can't. There is another way sometimes you can get around it, is say you've got a sewer pipe running across the lot mm. and you can't build over it and it's in the way, you may be able to divert it right around the boundary. So uh, rather than come straight across the block, you can go like down one boundary, across the back and come back down the have other boundary. Have you done that? Yeah, I have. But it only works in certain circumstances because of the fall so something like sewage, I think it has to have a fall of like one in 150 to fall under gravity. And, and so if you've got a dead flat block, you think when you, when you extend the, the length of the sewer by running around the boundary, you actually decrease the fall. Mm. And it might end up less than the minimum grade, you know, that you're allowed. Uh, but you can do it. it. There's a bit of money in doing that. You have to uh, have chambers, you know, those... Uh, quite often when you change direction, 90 degrees, you have to drop a chamber in. So, I mean, it could what's, be... A, what's a chamber? Oh, it's a concrete cylinder container sort of thing with a lid on it. You know, oh, okay, got you. Yeah. Like, like a chamber. Like a chamber, yeah. <laughs> okay. okay, got you now, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that, that could cost thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars $50,000 easily, but, but it could save the day. Mm. And I suppose that's interesting you, you bringing up that figure because we had a discussion today, someone asked us a question about uh, swimming pools and you said, well, they cost about 20,000 to get rid of. Yeah. Around where this person's looking, perhaps. Yeah. By the time you, so if they, because they'll end up building over or moving the swimming pool to a different area. And what was interesting was the reaction, well, that, that people just think, oh, well, I won't look there. I won't look at places with swimming pools, but, but like Bob has just pointed out with that thirty or forty thousand with a sewer pipe, you know that still can be. It doesn't doesn't make things a deal killer. Gosh, if, if fifteen to twenty thousand dollars, because that's what it costs, you know. Yeah. Fifteen, sometimes maybe up to twenty. If that if that kills a deal, then then the deal is too skinny, you know. I mean, yeah. Uh, but I've I've had to remove pools from time to time. I mean, it's just a, a cost, and, and and you just take that into account in your in your feasibility. I had to remove a, a swimming pool once, but I, it was on a site where I built 12 townhouses. So it, it probably cost current day figures, you know, $1,500 per, per townhouse, townhouse, which is nothing. Mm. I mean, even a duplex, it's 10000 a townhouse if you spread the cost, you know, seven and a half to 10000 uh, Well, that shouldn't kill a deal. No. It has an effect. And, uh, yeah, but, I mean, there's plenty of other things that you could do to, to uh, you know, waste money or make it up. Um, yeah, so swimming pools, because they've got to break them up. And they often bring in a, a rock breaker. I, I know a business uh, where their whole business is getting rid of swimming pools. And uh, I talked to the guy once, and he said it's a continuous market. And when it tends to happen is when uh, the children grow up and leave home. 
he said it, it is a ready market for him because he is a specialist in that area. Not that you probably have to be, but he, he's made a career out of removing swimming pools. And he said when the, people keep the swimming pool while they've got kids because mm. the kids want to swim, mm. but, you know, it's the maintenance and, and everything else, particularly when a pool gets older. And uh, he said he, he just fills in so many swimming pools. Don't they have a pool guy? Yeah. So they, they, they got a rock breaker. They have to break it up. If it's a concrete pool, I mean, fiberglass pools might be a bit easier. I don't know. But they've got to break it all up for a start. They've got to dig out the concrete and the mm. reinforcing. And then you're left with a big hole. Uh, and then that has to be filled and compacted properly. You can't just throw loose fill into it. Do you know a fibreglass one? Do they have to actually take that fibreglass away? Do they do they dump that or they just put leave it on the ground? Oh, you would ask me that. Yeah, <laughs> I've would. got no idea. Oh. I mean, a fibreglass pool, they could probably, they might be able to pull it out. I mean, they're put in in one piece. They yeah. generally, like, lower it in on a crane. But they wouldn't want it left in the ground, really, would they? No, no, you can't leave them in the ground because they'll, they'll just fill up. Uh, it's not just a matter of busting out the bottom of a pool either. They, to do it properly, you really need... And you've got to watch, actually, with who, who you use because there's some cowboys around that remove pools and all they do is punch a couple of holes in the bottom of the pool and then and then smash the sides and the coping in and just fill it with dirt and they might be the guys that you know do it for like seven thousand dollars and you think you got a deal you got a bargain whereas the guy that charges 15 up to 20 they'll get rid of all the concrete and they'll put proper fill uh, proper gravel that you can compact and they'll compact it in layers so what's the problem with the you cowboy? Build over what, what you know the cowboys mm. with their with their good, way of good doing footy it. Good footy team. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> with their way of doing it, what's the problem with that? Just like well, it'll still it fill up with water to a degree, it, uh, and you can't build over it. And, and some people have gone then to dig the footings and hit the concrete, oh. and, then, and then it costs a lot more then to oh. and to dig it back out. You know, it's just a quick fix. Um, even if you're not going to build over it, maybe some people that are just, you know, got a house, they've got a pool in the backyard, they don't want it anymore, you know, maybe then, because it's never going to be built on, you can just like smash it up a bit, maybe leave the concrete there. Because you're not going to develop over that. No, but when you've got to build over it, like, what, so you've got so to do it properly. I said, that leads me to this question. What if somebody's done that, Bob, and, the, and you don't know and you buy that house, mm. would, oh, would the, t the pl you'd know because it used to be on the plans? Well, yeah, if you do do searches, you might. But, but like, it's funny what earth movers do to, like, hide stuff. I was involved in a subdivision uh, many, many years ago before I actually became a developer. You might recall I got a job at a real estate agency selling land for a while to get my foot into the market. We were selling a land subdivision and uh, was in a cul-de-sac. And, and we sold it, obviously, to people who are going to build houses. And all of a sudden, when the first house went in, the, the backhoe that was digging the footings started hitting stuff, you know, really solid stuff, and it wasn't rock. And it, when we dug it up, I mean, it left a huge hole, and there was a, a few blocks at the bottom of this cul-de-sac that had this same problem. And what had happened, the contractors who had built the road and built the cul-de-sac, initially, they, they built it in the wrong place. It was about four metres wrong. So what they did is they dug up all the curb and channel, and oh, rather than no. dump it, they dug a hole and buried it. And so, sometime later, you know, when the when the land was finished and surveyed, and people bought it and went to dig footings, they came across all these bro this broken up curb and channel, and uh, it cost them quite a bit to remove it. But then, when you remove it, you're left with really big holes. Mm. And then, like when you're doing footings and everything, then then you end up using heaps of concrete. Because uh, you're not just filling in the footings, you're filling in all the holes around there. Uh, so, 
yeah, it, it, oh, there's an example of what happens when a cowboy uh, and that's just, goes in there. That sort of thing is, like if somebody else prior to you, you know, buying the site has hired a cowboy, yeah. that's hard to prepare for, isn't it? Well, you might not know. I mean, you, we do soil tests, but even on, a, say, a four-pack site, we only generally do about four balls, and you can easily miss stuff, you know. Mm. They'll pick up, you know, if there's natural rock there, a shelf of rocks, those sorts of things, they tend to pick that up. But, yeah, you know, they might totally miss something like that, you know, that's been so buried. These are real physical aspects that really require due diligence. So what about the, one of the majors that everyone always goes, oh, asbestos? Ah, yeah, asbestos. Well, it, it is an ugly thing. It's, yes. You know, people die from it, it's asbestosis. So yes. It's pretty serious. But, you know, just about every house that was built before, I don't know, 1977, has asbestos. But to what degree? You know, you can... I mean, you see some homes that were built in the 50s and 60s, you know, fibro. Remember the fibro? Mm. And so they've got asbestos roofs. They've got the old Hardy Super 6 corrugated roofs. Uh, they've got uh, asbestos uh, exteriors, some of them, and, and, and asbestos interiors. I mean, they're just a, a walking asbestos factory, those things. So are they? Do I, how do you deal with those, Bobby? That obviously, it has to be taken away, but for the average person, you have to get a specialist to do mm. it. What's the cost of removing up the asbestos? Well, yeah, depending on the, the amount of asbestos, yeah. you know. Uh, make sure that the demolisher has an asbestos licence for a start. There you go, another tip. Oh, well, I've seen people use a cheaper demolisher that doesn't have asbestos licence and, and, and got caught out, and there's huge fines, but, but there can be fines for the people that engage them as well so you've got to be a bit careful it's not just the demolisher but yeah it depends on the on, on the level of asbestos and uh, you know you might be able to demolish a, a small timber home for fifteen thousand uh, dollars but if it's got asbestos it could be twenty twenty five thirty thousand you know and what used to happen a lot is that when they were building these houses that had asbestos in the old days what the builders used to often do is all their offcuts of asbestos They'd, they'd bury it like under the driveway or, or the garage. And so I, I've demolished a lot of older houses that might have been built in the 40s, 50s, you know, mm. maybe even the 60s. And a lot of them had like a separate shed or a garage building. Invariably, when you lift that slab, it's asbestos because that's what they used to do. They so do you have to get a specialist in, the, in there? Well, yeah, but I mean, you would have had a, a specialist in anyway because the house would have had asbestos in it. And what it is, it's all the offcuts of the asbestos that the builder had. It just buried them, and they used to like to bury them under, you know, under a, under a slab. You know, not not so much the house slab because the house slab's already poured if it had a slab, but under, you know, under pathways and driveways and oh that sort of goodness. thing. Oh my goodness! And it, it often costs another five to seven thousand dollars to get rid of the asbestos that you didn't even know was there. I mean, you take, you get a quote on the house. Uh, but quite often, you know, you've got this extra asbestos. Little niggly bits lying about. Yeah, they buried it in the yard and then under a slab of some sort, you know, a garage, a shed or whatever, or a driveway even. Yeah, it's quite a problem, isn't it, asbestos? Yeah. It, it scares people a lot. And it does scare builders, no, I know. It should. Yeah, yeah. it's killed plenty where of do people. They, where do they put it when they well, take it away? Well, there's special places where you can dump it. it. It's quite expensive to remove asbestos because, well, it, it has to be handled very carefully. Mm -hmm. uh, it has to regularly be hosed down so that there's no fibres floating in the, in the air. It has to be uh, packaged up, completely wrapped up, airtight. Uh, 
and the removal, you know, has to only, only go to certain special dumping areas and everything about it's really expensive. But, um, I mean, that, yeah, I, I wouldn't say it's a deal killer because you can tell, mm. you can tell when you look at the house, it's got asbestos in the demolisher can quote on it, but yeah, it's those hidden ones that pop up on you, mm. you know, burying asbestos and we talked about burying concrete before, well, burying asbestos is, is pretty common. What about while we're looking at things that are hidden, mining subsidence? Oh, well, yeah. Um, so we're talking about mines that are under the ground. I mean, that's not an issue uh, in a lot of places, <laughs> but it can be in some, like places like Hunter Valley and Newcastle, Ipswich, you know, wherever there's mining, often it's coal mining. Uh, and yeah, it, it's, it's mining subsidence. So what it is, is the ground can collapse because there's so many mines under there uh, in a lot of places and some of them have filled up with water over the years, but sometimes they collapse. And if a mine collapses under the ground, it can sometimes cause a, a, a bit of a collapse at, at surface level, mm. you know, or you have two or three shafts collapse at the same time. And uh, yeah, that can make a big difference. That, that can be a deal killer. And you need to get, uh, well, it just depends. It, a lot of part. Weren't you? Yeah. You looked closely at a project, didn't you? In Newcastle. Yeah, Once, that went really that close. That was. I was going to do a joint venture with somebody, one mm -hmm. of the people in our community, actually. If you remember. I mean, you like doing that. Yeah, but where there was an issue with mining, in the end, that was okay. Mm. But because I think down there they've already like pre-classified areas mm. of, you know, areas that do have mines that are a no issue, and then some that there's a a bit of subsidence and, and no doubt some you, you simply can't build. But I do also remember a conversation recently where they were saying that some can be built over. So it's not all, but you need you definitely need to know, need to know about it. Eh? Yeah. I, I mean, I've built it at, at Ipswich outside of Brisbane, which is heavily mined for you know well over a century it was mined. And I had to get a specialist engineer, called, uh, a mining engineer, and they study all the mining maps and they can work out how far down the mines are. I mean, a lot of them are crisscrossed all over the place down there. Mm. Uh, which ones are on top of each other's, which ones have maybe previously collapsed. And they do a report and they can calculate what the likely effect is at ground level if certain mines collapse. Crazy. And then that, that's reflected in your in your design for your, for your footings or your slabs or in some cases, you, you the only houses you can build are on like, like steel posts mm. and some of those have adjusters on them. And uh, so that every year or two, you get a surveyor to come out and they check the levels of the floor. And you might like, you can, it's a screw system that you can screw up your floor or screw it down and, you know, adjust it. That's crazy. Yeah. Who organizes that? Like, do they keep a record of that? Or do you, like, how does that even happen? Well, initially, whoever built the houses would have had to have the ground tested. Mm -hmm. Uh, for mining subsidence, and then based on the level of mining subsidence, an engineer would have designed the the, the foundations, the footings, or the or the steel posts, or the staunchings, you know, and then and then part of the recommendation would be that you know every twelve months or two years or whatever that they're adjusted, and, and then but it's up to the homeowner from then on. I mean, they buy it, mm. uh, whether they get the things adjusted every year or every ten years or wait until something. You know, till you start falling downhill, you know, you get out of bed, you stagger backwards because the corner's gone, you know. Um, that's up to them once they own the house. But, yeah, I mean, I've, I've seen 
sadly, I've seen people really get into trouble mm. buying in mining subsidence areas and not getting a report. Oh, I remember you telling that story actually about mm. that guy, and he, he yeah. it, it was too close. T- tell that story. That we, oh, it's a sad story because because I knew the guy and, and he's a lovely guy, uh, but he bought a site. Uh, expecting to do five townhouses. He knew it was in a mining area, so he, he organised um, to get a mining subsidence report uh, before he settled on the land. It was a condition of the contract. Anyway, the, the engineers were, were quite slow in finishing the report, and he got to a point where he couldn't extend the contract any further, and he had to make a decision on whether to walk away from the deal because the report wasn't ready or whether to go ahead. He contacted the engineers and they said, oh, look, we're not quite ready but it looks pretty good. And based on it looks it looked pretty, pretty good, good, he went and settled, only to get the full report back that said basically you couldn't build on it. Yeah. And, uh, and, and that was a tragedy. So, I mean, ultimately, he should have walked away. I mean, you don't have the report, you don't go ahead. But he, he, but he did go ahead on a looks, looks like it'll be okay sort of thing, you know, mm. and, and that was a big mistake. What would, you, would you have not gone ahead? No, I wouldn't, no. No. That's no, too important. That's he found out. Mm. I'd rather walk away from it. I've walked away from so many deals. You know, if I haven't had the time to get the right answers, I'll walk away. If I haven't got the right answers, I'll definitely walk away. And, and that's what you always say, never get emotional. So he became emotional because he wanted mm. it. That's emotion, yeah. not fact. Yeah. yeah. To steal the words from another person uh, who said, the best deals... Well, words to this effect, it's not word perfect, but the best deals I ever did were the deals I didn't do. Mm. Uh, I think it was more to do with investments, but, you know, if you're talking about a property developer, I think it's relevant, you know. And, and I could say that. I could adopt those words and say the best projects I ever did were the projects I never did, mm. meaning I'd walked away from quite a few, mm. but I saved myself a lot of problems by walking away. So that was a good deal. Mm. A good deal can be saying no. And this is just the importance of due diligence. There's just, just stuff that has to be covered off, things that you really yeah. need to do. So we've talked about trees, we've talked about sewer pipes, stormwater pipes, swimming pools, asbestos and mining subsidence. Yeah. And they are there's nowhere near an exhausted list, but no. they are some things that you might need to just be aware of. Mm, mm. Yeah, and how to deal with them. Absolutely. And I suppose if all else fails, what do you do? Walk away. Oh, if you don't get the answers you want, you walk away. I mean, you don't want to take risks. No. You know, that, that was a big risk, that example I just said. That's setting back years. Yeah. And while we're on um, investments, mm. or if you aren't going to do a development, but you would like to be involved in a property development well, investment? Yeah, look, there's a lot of people at the moment that are sort of sitting on the fence, uh, not sure what's going on rising interest rates and we got we got a bit to go yet don't worry on rising interest rates you know i'm talking about inflation and all sorts of things some people are just sitting back i know that because well, I, talk, talk, I talk to a lot of people we had our live q a tonight and yeah yeah and so some people are saying look I, i'm just going to let the market sort itself out you know bill costs are still rising uh prices in some cities have flattened or even gone a bit backwards interest rates are on the rise up um you know to, to me that's not doom and gloom i've, I've lived through 40 years of ups and downs, no, no big deal for me. But um, but there are people who, a little bit more conservative perhaps, who just want to like just sit on the sidelines for a while and watch. And so, yeah, we do have an investment at the moment in, in one of our projects. Well, it's a, it's a project 
that, uh, that we love. And it's a retirement village, in fact. And uh, we had an initial capital raising and now it's reached a stage where it's fully approved. We've got the, uh, we bought the site initially. We've got the development permit, got a building permit. We've moved on from that. We've done some construction of roads and sewers. Uh, we've got our marketers, the top marketers in Australia on the job, and they've uh, got quite a lot of deposits. So now we've got our next stage of capital raising, which is to do the civil construction in stage one, moving on to house construction. And uh, yeah, so if you'd like to know a little bit more about that. Send us an email. Send us an email and Evan. we'll send you some information. So yeah, if it's the sort of thing you want to invest in one of our projects, you know, not newcomers, 40 years a developer, uh, so um, what, what, what should Ad, they do? Email admin at propertymastermind.com.au. There'll be a link below. So, hmm. yeah, if you're interested in, in, it's not having a profit share. So it's you get shares in it and it's a, it's a dividend yeah. paid on you get, shares. You get a return on your capital. Yeah. And a very safe return. I'll explain that to you later. Yeah. I've done probably over $300 million worth of projects where I've raised funds or done joint ventures. Hmm. And... Uh, Everyone's happy. So that. anyway, we're on Trance Chew. So if you're interested yeah, in learning interested, about that. Yeah, want to want to come and do a deal with us. Why yeah. not? We do a bit of a noon and noon. But if you want more information, just reach out and we will get back to you with some information. Sure. Pretty interesting stuff. Anyway, Bob, I think that's enough. Yep. I think we've, we don't want to uh, overload people, but <laughs> I hope we always give some, give enough good content where people listen and go, yeah, good stuff. Well, if it stops somebody from making an expensive mistake, it's certainly well worth it. Hell yes. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining me and sharing your wisdom. Thanks for the invitation yet again. I think next time, next week, might go back to an interview. We had a lot of response on Let's that one. Let's do an interview. Okay, we'll do one. You'll be a little bit older next week. Oh, yes. It's my birthday in a couple of days. Mm. I will be. You will be. You'll hardly recognize me. I know. I've seen you going through the cupboards looking for what I bought you, as, oh. as is your style. Yeah. Hashtag doesn't really like surprises, likes, <laughs> likes to hunt them down. Oh, dear. Anyway, these are well hidden. Oh, I'll find them. I've got mm. a couple of days left. Anyway, that is the end of episode 56. Thank you so much for joining us, and we will see you next week for episode 57. Catch you soon. Bye. Bye.